Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be titled, A Wandering Eye. A Wandering Eye, brothers and sisters. The Bible is very vociferous and loquacious on the topic of focus, brothers and sisters. The, as we'll see, most people are quite perfunctory and dismissive on this topic of focus, brothers and sisters. So today we, we will do what? We intend to pursue comprehension in regards to the power of the eye, brothers and sisters. A wandering eye. We're going to Matthew, the sixth chapter, the 21st verse. We're going to have Brother Joshua read verses 21 through 23. Please follow us closely, brothers and sisters. Matthew 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Brothers and sisters, Christ uses figurative language to speak about how we evaluate our treasures. Examine it closely because there's a correlation between inner desires and the physical eye. How do we know? Let's read verse 21 again, brother. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. Where is it? The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Now this is critical when it says thy eye be single. Brothers and sisters, this is talking about what? This is talking about uh, a singular focus, brothers and sisters. See? And then notice how it says if your eye be focused or single, your whole body will be full of light. So our eyes will be drawn to what? To what we treasure. How do we know? Verse 21 says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And guess what? Your eye is drawn to what your treasure is, brothers and sisters. But we're going to learn a lot about focus today because in order to make it into the kingdom, brothers and sisters, it's going to take impeccable focus because you have the enemy who comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy and distract, brothers and sisters. A lot of distractions, especially if you live in America, there's a myriad of distractions that you can find from day to day, brothers and sisters. Anything you want, whether it be good or bad, you can find in Babylon. Brothers and sisters, could you read that 22 again, brother? Matthew 6, verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is thy darkness. So brothers and sisters, if the eye is out of focus, it results in what? Unsteady movements. It's very difficult to make progress while trying to look in two directions simultaneously, brothers and sisters. So what is our lesson again? A wandering eye. And as we will learn today, as the scriptures will provide evidence, brothers and sisters, our spiritual eyesight is absolutely paramount to our decision making. Look at verse 23 where it says, it says, if your eye be evil or double, brothers and sisters, if what you're seeing in your eye is darkness, but you're viewing it as light. How great is that darkness? How great is the darkness when you're looking at something that's good for you, but it's really bad for you, brothers and sisters? <laughs> that's dangerous. That's a dangerous place to be in where you're looking at something saying, yes, this is what I want. 
this is what I need. This is good for me. And it's actually against you, brothers and sisters. If what you see as good is actually darkness, you really need to examine that because you're, you're in a dangerous position, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 6 and 9. Let's, let's go to the Old Testament. Let's go to the books of Solomon, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiastes, the sixth chapter, the ninth verse, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiastes 6, verse 9. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. So look at this. Solomon is highlighting that there's a proclivity to have wandering desires, brothers and sisters. Let's read it one more time. Verse 9. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. Than the what? Than the wandering of the desire. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. See, so Solomon warns of the destructiveness of a wandering desire, brothers and sisters. What is this? This is a call to maintain focus, brothers and sisters. This is the call to maintain focus. Now, look closely at the language. Here he speaks of the eye and he speaks of desire, showing you there's a link there, brothers and sisters. There's a link between what your eye is upon and what you desire. Remember, Christ said what? Where your heart is, <laughs> where your heart is, there also will be your treasure. See how all of these things are connected, brothers and sisters? Your eyes, your heart, your desire, your focus, your priorities, all of this is connected. That's why we had to go into this today, brothers and sisters. Let us show you. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 14. We're going to stay in the same book, brothers and sisters. Just a few chapters previous. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 14. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceive also that one event happened to them all. So look at, the look at it closely. It talks about a wise man's eyes are in his head. So whose eyes are on Christ alone for the gifts of enjoyment and salvation are what? Brothers and sisters, that man would be determined wise. The wise man's eyes sees under the, di the direction of Christ. Remember, Christ is the head. Remember that? <laughs> if the wise man's eyes are on his head or in his head, see that, brothers and sisters? This implies that the fool's eyes are in his heart. Let's read it again, brother. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 14. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happened to them all. But the fool walketh in darkness. So if a wise man's eyes are in his head, brothers and sisters, he's using his intellect, brothers and sisters. That means a fool is doing what? <laughs> he's being led by what? By his heart, brothers and sisters. So that means he sees all things through the medium of his own desires and inclinations, brothers and sisters. See? So you have to be very, very careful. The fool's eye sees under the direction of his affections and his feelings, brothers and sisters. He has neither sight nor light, brothers and sisters. Well, I don't feel like this, and I don't feel like that, and I feel like this. You have to be able to go against your feelings. 
especially as a man. Men don't follow feelings. They're not driven by emotion. They shouldn't be driven by emotion. You should be driven by logic, brothers and sisters. What's logic? Are you able to train your body to go against what you're feeling? Are you able to go that extra lap when your body's tired? Are you able to read that last chapter when your eyes are heavy? See? Even though the context is different, the concept is the same, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Proverbs, the 17th chapter, the 24th verse, brothers and sisters. We're going to do some jumping around today. Focus, brothers and sisters, focus. Proverbs 17, verse 24. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. See? So the wandering eyes indicate an unsettled mind, brothers and sisters. Unsettled and unfixed to anything. Let's read it one more time. Verse 24. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. The eyes of the fool what, brother? The eyes of the fool are in the ends of the earth. See? So success, brothers and sisters, requires that one give close attention to a singular purpose. A fool has his attention continually diverted by a hundred different things. Brothers and sisters, the things of least importance interest him the most. See? So examine it closely, brothers and sisters. A man who have understanding has wisdom before him. He's making his decision strictly based on wisdom, based on logic, brothers and sisters, based on knowledge. But the eyes of a fool, he's interested in everything. Well, what about this? And look over there, and I want to do this, and I want to do that, while you're getting nothing done. The people who are successful in this earth, brothers and sisters, have an ability to do what? To focus on one thing. And that's why men, brothers and sisters, usually in any industry, the man is the top of the class, brothers and sisters, because the man has an innate ability to focus on one thing. Now, are women good at things? Absolutely. But when you're talking about the upper echelon, the best at a particular thing, you're going to find more men there because they have the ability to focus on one thing. They don't have the gift that the women have to be able to do a trillion things at one time. A man, in order for him to be effective, he must have a singular focus, brothers and sisters. Let's read it one more time and then go to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 17 and 24. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. So a fool looks afar for what he needs while it's close at hand, brothers and sisters. See? So he's saying, listen, you need to control your sight. Why? Because your sight is usually drawn to what you treasure, according to Christ, brothers and sisters. So not only are we learning about the heart, we're learning about desire, we're learning about our eyes, brothers and sisters. We're learning about the power of these three things and how they affect our life on a day-to-day -day basis. You have to make a conscious decision. To do what? To be singularly focused. Why? Because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, according to God. The Most High hates double-mindedness. You really don't know what you want. You really, you don't, you can't tell the difference between what? You can't tell the difference between urgent and important. 
the two different things. Some things are important. Some things are urgent. The urgent waits. The urgent can be done tomorrow. The urgent can be done next month. What's important has to be done. It has to be focused on, brothers and sisters. Let us show you. Let's go to Proverbs, the fourth chapter. We're going to read the 25th through the 27th verse, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 4, verse 25. Let thine eyes look right on. Look where? Look right on. And let thine eyelids look straight before thee. So he's saying, don't get distracted. Don't get detoured. Verse 26. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Now examine the correlation here. Now he's talking about your eyes and your feet. When it speaks of feet, it's talking about direction. When it talks about eyes, it's referring to focus. Let's read it from the top, Brother Joshua, please. Proverbs 4 and 25. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. So let your eyes distinctly and directly look where? To Christ alone. This walk requires commitment and concentration. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Now, brothers and sisters, these text indicates a simplicity and singleness of motive and unswerving regard to duty brothers and sisters it's telling you remove all obstacles which may prevent thy going in the way the most high is leading he's saying ponder the path of your feet you need to think ahead what is what is what is ancillary and what is the most important what is the most important and what is ancillary brothers and sisters See, ponder the path of thy feet. He's telling you, let your eyes look where your feet want to go. Because if you start looking somewhere else, your feet will follow it. Brothers and sisters, turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove the feet from evil. See, he's saying you need to go straight. And you're going to go straight into whatever it is that your focus is on. So not only focus in our physical eyes, but our spiritual eyes. Brothers and sisters, not just pondering the paths of our physical, but also spiritual feet, brothers and sisters. So that's the key. When you are driving a car, brothers and sisters, and you start looking, you know, at certain areas. I've seen many brothers who, you know, got rubbernecking, just looking at all the uh, women and all this and getting accidents. Drive all off the side of the road, brother. Look where you're going. They teach you that. Look where you're going, because your body will naturally be drawn. Your feet will naturally go where you're, wherever you're spending your time looking, brothers and sisters. A brother who, you know, let's say everything he learns about is sports. That's that's his main focus. Then guess what? He's, he's usually going to be drawn to doing what it takes for him to be a sportsman or or an athlete, brothers and sisters. If you only, if your main focus is to listen and learn uh, history, guess what? You probably end up as a historian. What if it's the Bible? What if what you're putting your focus on when the TV is on is something biblical? Or when the radio is on is something biblical? What then? A man told me many years ago, and I never forgot it. Whatever you do on a daily basis, you will become a professional. I, I never forgot it, brothers and sisters. 11 years old, 10 years old, if you play basketball every day, 
you'll likely be in basketball, be a basketball athlete. See, brothers and sisters? So now we're learning how the body works. The Bible have even that. Not only does it have moral law, it has ceremonial law. It has civil law. It's also teaching you anatomy, brothers and sisters. Let us show you. Let's go to Jeremiah, the 14th chapter, the 10th verse, brothers and sisters. Stand in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 14. We'll have Brother Joshua read the 10th verse. Jeremiah 14, verse 10. Thus said the Lord unto his people, Thus have they loved to wander. They love to what, brother? Love to wander. So who are his people, brothers and sisters? Who are these people he's referring to, the children of Israel? They have not refrained their feet. Therefore the Lord did not accept them. He will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. Now, brothers and sisters, according to Jeremiah, we must discipline our focus to the priority lest we wonder. Our people love to wonder. We cannot restrict our feet, brothers and sisters. Israel, according to the 10th verse of the 14th chapter in Jeremiah, Israel had a tendency to major on the minor things, which led to wandering, brothers and sisters. Let's read it one more time. Jeremiah 14, verse 10. Thus said the Lord unto his people, Thus have they loved to wander. They have not refrained their feet. They loved to wander. <laughs> See? Therefore the Lord does not accept them. Why? Because you're, you're a wanderer. You can't focus on anything. You can't restrict your feet. You will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. Examine the next two scriptures, brothers and sisters. Then said the Lord unto me, Pray not for this people for their good. No, pray for their good. Pray not for this people for their good. Now look at this. <laughs> See, the Most High, He has very short patience when it comes to this. Brothers and sisters, He's telling the prophet, don't even pray for these people, okay? Because they love to wander. They have no self-discipline. They have no self-control. Their main focus is never me. It's always something else. Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 12. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings and ovulation, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. Now, what is he saying here? He's saying... They make me the primary when they want to make me the primary. And the Most High is no one's second fiddle, brothers and sisters. He says, when they do fast, <laughs> I'm not going to listen. Why? Because I was calling you last week. I was calling you last year. So guess what? I'm going to consume you with the sword, the famine, and by the pestilence. Now, look how he, look how he linked the fasting with the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. So he's saying, when these things come, that's when you want to find me. That's when you want to fast. <laughs> that's when you want to pray. No. No. See, and usually this is what we do, brothers and sisters. We try to make promises to the Most High. If you do this, I'll do this. And guess what? When you start doing that, the Most High is like, I'll find someone else. Why? Because I want somebody that's going to follow me without me having to make, without me having to do something for him. Deals off. I want somebody who's not going to come to me and say, well, I'll do this if you do this. No. 
You should do that anyway. Even if I don't, if I don't do what you're asking me to do. So we have to be very careful. Brothers and sisters, I did it as a young man. I didn't realize it was disrespectful to the most high until I continued to read. So he's saying, guess what? Build up your credit with me. Do the right thing. And when you do need me, you can point to the credit. You have the equity. Not do what you want to do. Your whole Do dirt all through the whole year. And then when you need me, you come to me and say, well, I'll straighten up uh, if you, uh, <laughs> you know, if you do this. No. If you had the credit of the previous six months, eight months, 12 months of doing the right thing, then you point to that and say, Father, I've been as straight as an arrow. I've been not overutilized and not overdosing on grace for the whole last year. Now I need you to come through for me. That's what he would rather, brothers and sisters. See? So it's not guaranteed that your prayer will work. It's not guaranteed that your fast will work if the motive is wrong, brothers and sisters. Let us show you. Let's go to Psalms 123 and 2. Follow us to Psalms, brothers and sisters. 132, verse 2. We'll have Brother Joshua read that for us. Psalms 132, verse 2. Excuse me, 123 and 2. Sloppy. 123 and 2. Psalms 123, verse 2. Behold, as the eyes of servants look on to the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden under the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God, until that he have mercy upon us. Now examine it closely, brothers and sisters. <laughs> He's linking a servant with their master, or a slave with their master, and a maiden with her, you know, the woman over her, the, the woman who she waited for. Let's read it again. Verse 2. Behold, as the eyes of servants look on the hand of their master. The what of servants? As the eyes of servants look on the hand of their masters. Eyes. That's one time. And as the eyes of a maiden on the hand of her mistress. Eyes. That's two times. So our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. Now, brothers and sisters, the psalmist emphasizes what? Watchful eyes. Brothers and sisters, masters and mistresses direct them in their work and business. That's what a master does to his servant or a mistress does for her maiden. So he's saying we should have our gaze fixed upon him. Brothers and sisters, we must be in a perpetual state of consciousness to what? To his presence. Brothers and sisters, guess what? A slave or a servant ate when the master fed them. The maiden was only there to do what the mistress asked. So he's saying the same way, the link between that should be the link between you and I. You're only here to serve me. So let us wait on the Most High for the indication of his will, brothers and sisters. Not get focused on other things and then when, when he all hell is breaking loose, now you want to focus on the Most High. He said this people, the children of Israel, love to wander. They love it. They love to you know, go off and do their own thing and then come back when they need me to save them. Let's go to Psalms 32 and 8, Brother Joshua. What's that said, Brother? Psalms 32, verse 8. I will instruct thee 
and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. With what? With mine eye. So the text sets the Most High before us as the instructor and the guide of men. Brothers and sisters, the eye of God and the eye of man must meet. And obedience clears the vision. Brothers and sisters, let's read it one more time. Verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. He will instruct and teach us. I will guide thee with mine eye. No, I'll guide you with your own eye. I will guide thee with mine eye. See, we must have the willingness to submit to what? To his vision. Because I'm pretty sure most times your vision for your life and his are not the same. <laughs> he said, I'll guide you with my vision. <laughs> See that, brothers and sisters? He said, I'll teach you where to go. <laughs> that's, that's clear, brothers and sisters. That's clear right there. Submit to his guidance rather than try to orchestrate your own path, brothers and sisters. We must have a sensitivity to discern his will and follow his lead. See, and I understand you got dreams and hopes and all that. We understand that. But guess what? When you come into the truth, when you find out who God is, when you find out who you are, you have to submit under what his vision is for your life. Same way you did with your natural parents. Guess what? When you were eight years old, seven years old, what did you eat? You eat what mama put on the table. Okay. Where did you go throughout the day? You went wherever she told you to get in the car so they can go, so you can go to. So you've done it before. <laughs> As a child, you had no control over anything. See? He said the same way you did then, do now. Because you will always be my child. care how old you are. I'll guide you through my vision. Is what the Most High is saying. I will instruct you. I will teach you where you should go. You don't go there and then ask me to save you once you've fallen. Read the next scripture, brother, please. Psalms 32, verse 9. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, Least they come near unto thee. Now look at this. He said, "Don't be like a, uh, you know, like an animal with no intellect, whose mouth, who you have to steer a horse. You got to put reins on a horse to direct them." <laughs> he said, "Don't make me do that to you, because I will." Well, you got to almost with a horse almost rip their whole whole mouth apart for them to, 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 you know, for them to go in a direction. He's saying, "Don't be that." You actually have understanding. You actually have intellect. I gave you that. That's what separates you from them. Don't become a beast. Don't become an animal of the field. Understand what I'm saying? Do that. See, brothers and sisters? Focus. It's time for focus, brothers and sisters. He will instruct us. He will teach us. He will guide us with his vision. Why? Because he knows what's going to happen 30 days from now. He knows what's going to happen next year. You don't even know what you're doing today. I don't even know what I'm doing today, brothers and sisters, or tomorrow. Let's go to Psalms 27 and 4. We're going to stick in Psalms, brothers and sisters, for a while. Psalms 27, verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord. Read that again, brother. One thing have I desired of the Lord. No, five things. One thing have I desired of the Lord. The psalmist emphasizes priority. That will I seek after. 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. <laughs> so the psalmist laments his desire for intimacy with the Most High. Read that one more time, brother. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will that I will seek after. So he said, only one thing I desire. There's one thing I will seek after. And what is that? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. We ought to imitate the vehemence of the psalmist's pursuit. Brothers and sisters, our determination should be concentrated upon a singular pursuit. Brothers and sisters, men of one idea are called what? Specialists. That's what they're called, brothers and sisters. We're called to have a voracious or voracious hunger for his presence, brothers and sisters. This was David. David said, there's only one thing I desire. There's only one thing I'm going to pursue. You have to be careful what you pursue because whatever you pursue becomes your God, brothers and sisters. The Most High knows that. That's why he said, keep your eye on me. I'm going to guide you with my vision. I have 20-20 vision. Let's go to Psalms chapter 5, verse 8. Psalms 5, verse 8. Lead me, O Lord. In thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Why? In the righteousness because of mine enemies. Because who? In the righteousness because of mine enemies. Because mine enemies, brothers and sisters. Make thy way straight before my face. Look at that. On account of our enemies, we're going to need pinpoint focus, brothers and sisters. We're going to have to prioritize the Most High in order to escape the deceitful arts of the ungodly. Because guess what? There's snares and traps all over the place. And if you're focusing on something else, you're going to find yourself in a trap, brothers and sisters. Let's read it again, please. Psalms 5 verse 8. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. So, so David understood if the Most High didn't lie, uh, lead us on the path of righteousness... We would be ultimately destroyed by our enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. See? So we need guidance as we navigate through a world that seeks to exterminate us. Only the Most High's guidance and protection will enable us to avoid their snares. See that, brothers and sisters? You think you're just living life. You're not just living life. There's someone out there looking to destroy you. Satan is looking to destroy you. And guess what? He have workers of iniquity that set up pornography. Who do you think set that up? What do you think they set that up for? What do you think they put the drugs in the community for? Why do you think they made the marijuana legal? For, for, for what reason? See? So he's saying, if you don't focus on me and my righteousness, you're going to fall into a snare. You're going to fall into a trap. Let's go to Psalms 141 and 8. Psalms 141 verse 8. But mine eyes are on thee, O God, and thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares which they have laid for me, and the gins of the works of iniquity. So our eyes are generally focused on whatever our priority is. How do we know? Examine the psalmist's words. 
Look at the structure of verse 8, brothers and sisters. But mine eyes are on thee, O God. In thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares which they have laid for me. If we're reading the results of giving the Most High Presidents, what did it say? Keep me from the snares which they have laid for me, and the gins of the workers of iniquity. So when we lose sight of where our focus ought to lie, the floodgates begin to open, brothers and sisters. To escape Jacob's trouble, we're going to have to prioritize our priorities, brothers and sisters. And we are in Jacob's trouble. What the world calls the new world order, the Bible calls it Jacob's trouble. Why? Because Jacob's trouble is indicative of who it's against. The children of Israel, it's about to get, it's about to get hectic for us, brothers and sisters. It's prophesied. The Bible said there has never been a time, nor will there be a time again as what we're getting ready to experience, brothers and sisters. Just look at the year 2020, so-called 2020. Guess what? Things will get no better, especially for the children of Israel. Let's go. Let's go to Psalms 101 and 3. Examine this, brothers and sisters. Psalms 101, verse 3 and 4. Psalms 101, verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. What did he say? I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. So the psalmist understood the importance of vision. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A forward heart shall depart from me, and I will not know a wicked person. So the eyes are the inlets of lust and are easily caught with objects that inflame the heart. He said, I will make a covenant with my eyes not to put wickedness before them. See, we must be intentional about guarding our eyes like the psalmist was here, brothers and sisters. Between your ears, your eyes. If things, certain things get in, guess what? It's going to affect your behavior, brothers and sisters. It's going to affect your behavior. Remember when you were young and you watched those horror films before you went to sleep. And then how did that affect you after that? <laughs> exactly, brothers and sisters. So he said, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. Turn aside from what? Turn aside from the Most High. So he said, it shall not cleave to me. How does it cleave? Through my eyes. See that, brothers and sisters? The psalmist understood how this worked. We must do so also, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Job 31 and 1. Examine what Job is saying here, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Job 31 verse 1. Just to get the context. Job 31 verse 1, I made a covenant with mine eyes, why then should I think upon a maid? Now here it is, he said, I made a covenant with my eyes. See, so he's saying, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon women in a lustful way. This is Job. He made a promise to himself. Jump to verse 7 and 8, brother. Job 31 verse 7, if my step hath turned out of the way... And my heart walketh after mine eyes. And if any bolt hath cleaved to mine hands. Now examine this, brothers and sisters. The first thing he said was, I make a covenant with my eyes. Why? Because many men are driven to and fro by the lust of the eyes. It, look at what he says in verse 7 and 8. Verse 7. 
if my step hath turned out of the way, and mine heart walketh after mine eyes. See, now look at that. Because it's naturally pleasing to the flesh for the heart to walk after the eye. And if any bolt hath cleaved to mine hand. If any blot or any, in, any uncleanliness, any unrighteousness have cleaved to my hands, then what? Then let me sow and let another eat. Yeah, let mine offspring be rooted out. When it says, let me sow and another eat, he said, let me work but not reap the benefits from it, brothers and sisters. See? So, Job understood that commonly sin enters in by the eyes. And a man's ability to not look upon lustful images is an indicator of what? Of his spiritual strength, brothers and sisters. So when you look at Job, the 31st chapter, it suggests that the eyes are a gateway for lust. Read verse 7 and 8 one more time, brother. Verse 7. If my steps had turned out of the way, and my heart walked after mine eyes, and if any blot hath cleaved to mine hands, then let me sow and let another eat. Yeah, let my offspring be rooted out. Job was not afraid to call a curse upon himself. <laughs> See, he said, I made a covenant with myself. And if I don't keep that covenant to myself, I should be the recipient of a curse. See that, brothers and sisters? That right there. <laughs> That's some courage, brothers and sisters. That's courage. He made a covenant to himself, brothers and sisters. We have to do the same thing. We have to make covenants to ourselves. Brothers and sisters, when no one else is there, there's certain things I will not do. There's certain things I will, certain places I will not go. Certain music I will not listen to, irregardless of what environment I'm in or who I'm around. And he said, if I do that, if I don't keep what that covenant was that I made with what? With his eyes, allow my work to never benefit me, but another Let's go to Psalms 119 and 37. A wandering eye, brothers and sisters. Psalms 119 verse 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. So here it is. David is praying for restraining grace, brothers and sisters. He said, make my eyes to pass rapidly. From such things that I may not contemplate them. Look at it again. Verse 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Keep me away from looking at things I ought not. And quicken thou me in thy way. Quicken means bring alive, brothers and sisters. So he asked to be kept away from that which would hinder him from his duty, brothers and sisters. He understood that his eyes could obstruct his spiritual progress. Turn away my eyes from beholding things that are not conducive to my spiritual walk. Make me alive in your way, in your path. This is what the psalmist is saying, brothers and sisters. Here it is again. Why is, why is the psalmist so focused in on his eyes? Because he understands what? That his eyes and his feet are connected. He understands that his eyes and his desire are connected. He understands that his eyes and his behavior are connected. Let's go to Psalms 119 and 45, just a few uh, verses down. Psalms 119 and 45. And I will walk at liberty, 
for I seek thy precepts. Now look at this, brothers and sisters, because the emphasis tells us that your eyes direct your path. Your focus determines your direction. How do we know? Read it again, brother, please. Verse 45. I will walk at liberty. Why? For I seek thy precepts. See, his vision is the precepts and therefore subsequently walks in liberty. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, brother. Verse 45. And I will walk at liberty. That's future tense. I will walk at liberty. For I seek thy precepts. See? So magnifying that which ensues come from the priority of the focus, brothers and sisters. The result of my focus is the direction traveled. See that? I will walk at liberty. Why? Because my focus now is the precepts. So you have to get this. You got to learn these fundamental principles, brothers and sisters. We have to learn this in order for us to be effective, in order for us to be saved, brothers and sisters, from the impending judgment on the earth. Let's go to Psalms 26 and 3. Psalms 26, verse 3. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. A man's natural vision directs his bodily movements. How do we know? Let's read it again. Verse 3. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. See? So the eyes determine the direction and focus of our pursuit. He said, your loving kindness is what my focus is, and guess what? I've walked in truth because of that. See? A wandering eye. Brothers and sisters, according to Psalms, you gravitate towards the focus of your eye. That's what Christ was saying, brothers and sisters. Where your heart is, there will be your treasure also. If your eye be evil, how great is that darkness, brothers and sisters? So now we're learning. We're learning self-discipline. We're learning control, brothers and sisters. You have to be able to control, especially our brethren. Why? Sisters should be also, but men especially. Because why? The earth fell when Adam broke the law, not Eve. Go look at it again. Through one man's sin, one man's sin, death entered. Even though she had partaken first. The judgment came because of him, not her. So the men are going to lead this charge, this spiritual revolution. But you can't lead a revolution if you can't even control your eyes. You'll destroy yourself. Let's go to Numbers 15 and 38. Numbers, the 15th chapter, the 38th verse, brothers and sisters. We'll read 38 through 40. Numbers 15, verse 38. Speak unto the children of Israel. Who? The children of Israel. And bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations. And that they put upon the fringes of the border a ribbon of blue. Now... Israelites, you will see a lot of Israelites on your corners, in your cities, brothers and sisters, and they'll have tassels hanging from the bottom of their shirts with a blue ribbon on it. That was a law. That was Hebrew custom, that we would put fringes on the bottom of our garments. Continue. Verse 39, And it shall be on you for a fringe, 
that ye may look upon it. That you may what? Look upon it. Now, the Most High knows that your sight stimulates your course of action. Let's show you. Verse 39. And it shall be on you a, for a fringe, that ye may look upon it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord. And do what? And remember all the commandments of the Lord. So first, you look upon this fringe, and then you remember the commandments. And do them. And what? And do them. There's the action. So the Most High, the Most High understood this principle, resulting in the, implement, the implementation of this particular principle. Read 39 one more time, brother. Verse 39. And it shall be on you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it. So first you have the sight. And remember all the commandments of the Lord. Then you have the contemplation. And do them. And finally the action. And that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go a-whoring. That ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. See, so he emphasizes that our actions are determined by our eyes, brothers and sisters. See, so first it started with put this fringe, this tassel on your garment. And when you do that, when you see it, you'll remember the commandments. And when you remember the commandments, you'll do it. There's a connection between our desire, our eyes, and our direction, brothers and sisters. See, the Most High understood this principle. That's why he implemented this particular principle, uh, this particular custom amongst our people. What you see brings forth a thought. And that thought is going to lead you. It's going to lead an action. It's going to lead a behavior, brothers and sisters. Now, guess what? We intend to prove that our desires and direction are connected, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Isaiah 26 and 9. We're going to prove this, brothers and sisters. Isaiah, the 26th chapter, the ninth verse. Isaiah 26, verse 9. <clears throat> with my soul have I desired thee in, thy, in the night. Yeah, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Brothers and sisters, don't speed through this. I need you to look at it closely. Look at the desire that preceded the course of action. Verse 9. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. He desired intimacy with the Most High. Yeah, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. Early in the... Early, brothers and sisters, in preference to all the things which solicit our attention. He's saying, I desire you, right? Therefore, I will seek you early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. See, so look at that, brothers and sisters. He's saying, because what I desire is you, early, early will I seek you. Early in preference to what? All the other things that solicit our attention. When others were asleep, I'm seeking him persistently and diligently. Why? Because the result, that's the result of the desire. See, brothers and sisters? Read it one more time, brother. Isaiah 26, verse 9. Examine the desire first. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yeah, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, and the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Now look at that. We're proving that desire determines direction and conduct, brothers and sisters. Our pursuits are driven by our desires. He said, I desired intimacy 
So what did I do? Based on that desire, I sought you early. <laughs> See, brothers and sisters? So your, your, your behavior, your conduct, your path, your actions determine, are determined or it gives us insight into whatever your desire is. Because a person doesn't do things they don't desire, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove this. Let's go to Proverbs 13 and 19. We're showing you how all these things are connected. Proverbs 13 and 19 says what, brother? Proverbs 13, verse 19. <clears throat> the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Now, see, naturally a person will seek to fulfill whatever their desire is. What did it say, brother? The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Whatever a man or men earnestly desire, the enjoyment of it is sweet to them. But it is abomination to fools to depart from evil. So, brothers and sisters, our desires are the springboard into our activities, brothers and sisters. So you have to really examine this closely because the self-denial, which fools will not endure, is essential to success. It says, what does it say, brother? Verse 19. The desire accomplished in sweet, is sweet to the soul. So there it is. The desire that will be accomplished... If I accomplish what my desire is, that's sweet to my soul. But it is abomination to fools to depart from evil. So that is the reason why I won't depart from evil, because I'm trying to accomplish my desire. Do you understand that, brothers and sisters? To depart from evil is that which is necessary to their happiness. That's why I call them fools. They desire something. They want to accomplish that. But if they can't accomplish that by departing from evil, they will not. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? The, the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. And that is the reason why it's an abomination to fools to depart from evil. I, if I have to do evil to accomplish, you know, my desire, to taste that sweetness of my desire accomplished, I will not depart from evil. See, brothers and sisters? Even when you know it's wrong, <laughs> Why? Because desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. And that's what a man is seeking for. He's seeking to accomplish what is desire. He's seeking for the sweetness to his soul. So that's why we said, brothers and sisters, your behavior, your conduct is determined based on what? Based on your desire. Because you're trying to accomplish something. Let's go to Proverbs 18 and 1, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 18, verse 1. <clears throat> Through desire a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Now, first comes the desire, then comes the action. Let's show you again. Through desire a man, having separated himself. Now, look at this. <clears throat> There's a desire there, brothers and sisters. Seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. So your actions are actually highlighting your desires. He said, because of desire, this man has separated himself for what? For what, brothers and sisters? To intermeddleth with all wisdom. So the desire was wisdom. The course of action was separation. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? See? Through desire... 
a man has separated himself. Why? Because he wanted the wisdom, brothers and sisters. Highlighting that a man is driven by his desires. This man had a desire for wisdom. Therefore, he separated himself. It's all intermingled, brothers and sisters. So that means you have to, this is a heart issue also. Your desires will determine not only your sight, not only your vision, but your direction, brothers and sisters. This is critical to understand because Satan knows this. That's why they call it a tell-lie vision, tell a lie. It's the way in which you can get millions of people looking at one program at the same time, brothers and sisters, all over the world. This is the danger of the television because it's called a program for a reason, brothers and sisters. There's a message they're trying to program into you, whether it's good or bad. And here it is. You have TV, sometimes three, four, five TVs under one roof, brothers and sisters, across the globe. So they understand this. Let me put naked women before. Them, right. Let me put that. Let me put. Smoking and drinking and, and clubbing and strippers all before their eyes. Let's go to Psalms 119 and 47. Follow us, brothers and sisters. Psalms chapter 119, verse 147 and 148. Psalms 119, verse 147. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy world, in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Now, <laughs> look at it closely, brothers and sisters, because when most are expected to find sleep, you can find me awake. That's what the psalmist is saying. He said, I was up and at it before daybreak. He said, I prevented the dawning of the morning. Read it one more time, brother, please. Verse 147. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches. Now, the night watches, there was three increments of four hours where you would have somebody with an alarm, brothers and sisters. That I might meditate in thy word. See, he said, I was up and at it before daybreak. They didn't wake me up. <laughs> Such is the earnestness of the desire for the Most High's truth, brothers and sisters. The, 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 the desire to seek him was, was unmerited, brothers and sisters, and constant, or unremitted, excuse me, and constant. He said, I prevented the dawning of the morning. I was already up. My eyes prevented the night watches from awakening me because I was already up doing what? Meditating on your word. So the psalmist was awakened, employed in devotion before the dawn of the day. Brothers and sisters, your actions reveal your concealed desires. Remember the text before, which was Proverbs 18 and 1. Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. And here, look at the precept. He said, my alarm clock, the, the rooster didn't wake me up. I was up. Why? Because I was meditating on the word. That was my desire. See, brothers and sisters? So you have to get the desire right, brothers and sisters. Because the desire is going to what? The desire is going to lead into your action, brothers and sisters. And guess what? Your eyes 
are usually attracted to what your desire is. So those three things are interconnected, brothers and sisters. A wandering eye. Let's go to Proverbs 16 and 9. What's that say, brother? Proverbs 16, verse 9. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directed his steps. So a man plans his course of action based on the desire of his heart. See? <laughs> Read it again, brother. A man's heart deviseth his way. What devises his way? A man's heart deviseth his way. See, a man's plans are inspired by the passions of his heart. But the Lord directed his steps. See? So this highlights the folly of man who thinks that his ways are in his own hand. Brothers and sisters, every creature is subject to the direction and dominion of his maker. A man's heart deviseth his way. See that, brothers and sisters? So we could appear, we could look at a brother or sister, look at the behavior, look at the conduct, and understand what the desire is. Understand what direction or why they're going in a specific direction, brothers and sisters. At this moment, we're in the, we're not only in Jacob's trouble, but the hour of temptation. Where every temptation, everything you want to gratify your flesh will be available. And if you have a wandering eye, you will not make it. You're going to need a singular focus, brothers and sisters. You're going to need razor sharp focus. You're going to have to prioritize the priorities in this moment. They're going to have fires over here. They're going to have floods over here. They're going to have shootings and marches over there. They're going to have a coronavirus. They're going to have all this going on. You got to stay focused. Brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apographer. Let's go to Sirach or Ecclesiasticus. The fifth chapter. The second verse. What does that say, brother? Ecclesiasticus 5 verse 2. Follow not thine own mind and thy strength. To walk in the ways of thy heart. To walk in what? To walk in the ways of thy heart. The emphasis is, brothers and sisters, when you look at the second verse of the fifth chapter, this emphasizes that what's in your heart usually determines your direction. Brothers and sisters, a man is inclined to pursue what's in his heart. So you can act like that's not true. <laughs> but it is. Why? Because God said so. So we focus on what we're interested in. If you focus, if you if your desire is Getting close to the most high, guess what? Your behavior will show that. If your desire is on, where's the, where's the, where's the, uh, where's the blunts at? Where, where's the girls at? Then guess what? Your behavior is letting us know. You shall know a man by his fruits. And by your fruits, we know what your heart is. Read it again, please, brother. Ecclesiasticus 5, verse 2. Follow not thine own mind and thy strength. To walk in the ways of thy heart. So this highlights that our desire and direction is connected. Brothers and sisters. See? If you want to control a man, you only have to control his heart. See? And that's why the Bible said there's no wickedness like the wickedness of a woman. Because if a woman understands that and want to use it improperly, she's the most powerful person in the room. Because why? She can control men. 
the listen, <laughs> Solomon said, a woman with this type of heart is worse and more bitter than death. Because there is women out there who understand this, brothers and sisters. They understand they can get whatever they want from you based on your heart, brother. See? Now, a righteous daughter of Zion, a righteous sister, a righteous follower of Christ will not play that game. But you have to be aware that there is women out there who understand. The only thing I have to do is control this brother's heart. To, to control his actions. And guess what? Satan understand that too. See? Now you have to understand it. Why? Because you have to know what your weakness is in order to protect it. Before it's exposed. Before it's exploited. Follow not thine own mind and strength to walk in the ways of your heart. So man and woman have a natural proclivity to walk in the way in which their heart desires. You can only get this, this richness, this type of information from what? The Bible, brothers and sisters. It's telling you how the body, how the mind is wired. How your feet and your eyes are actually connected to your heart, which is your mind, brothers and sisters. As a man think in his heart, so is he. See? Let's go to Jeremiah 16 and 12, brothers and sisters. Old Testament. Jeremiah 16, verse 12. What's that say, brother? And ye have done worse than your fathers. For, behold... Ye walk every one after the imagination of his evil heart, that they may have not hearkened unto me. So they walk not as the Most High directed them, but as their heart dictated. Is this you? Read it again, please, brother. Because each person is inclined to pursue whatever their passion is, according to the Bible. Verse 12. And if ye have done worse than your fathers, for, behold... You walk every one after the imagination of his evil heart. Most people walk after what? The imagination of their heart. That they may not hearken on a mean. That you won't listen to the Most High. Why? Because you're, being, you're pursuing what your heart is. So we can look at a person's pursuit and understand what the passion is, brothers and sisters. Our actions are more revealing than our words, to be quite honest, brothers and sisters. You will learn more about a person by observing them rather than listening to them, brothers and sisters. Let's go to, excuse me, let's go to James, brother, the first chapter, the 14th verse. Going to the New Testament now. We're, we're jumping all over the place today, brothers and sisters. James 1, verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and entice brothers and sisters we're lured away from god by what by our own desires why because what whatever tempts me may not tempt brother joshua whatever tempts brother joshua may not tempt me according to this text can you read it again verse 14 but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed so the source of all temptation is found where Brothers and sisters, it's found in the man himself. Verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Mm. 
<laughs> Brothers and sisters, lust has a child named sin. And when sin grows to full age, it has a baby named death. Brothers and sisters, sin grows up and produces death. Brothers and sisters. But the part we really wanted to focus on was the 14th verse. Can we read it again? Verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Of what, brother? Of his own lust and enticed. See, so the source of the solicitation of sin has its residence in the heart of a man. Brothers and sisters. You see that? So that's why it's a heart matter. You have to protect your heart. The Bible says guard your heart. Why? Because from it come the issues of life. And see, Satan understand this. So this is how he pulls strings. This is how he puts things in your path. If your main focus is money, guess what? He will put that in your path. If your main issue is a woman or a man, you're just, you're just hungry for love. Guess what? He knows. I can get him or get her by just putting somebody out there. Because that's really what their heart is desiring. You have to set your heart on what? On the creator, brothers and sisters. You have to set your heart on his word, brothers and sisters. All the other things are ancillary. Yeah, I, I want to do this and like this and like that. But my desire is the kingdom. My desire is what? Intimacy with the most high. So all of my actions will be dictated by that desire. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 10 and 2. Going back to the Old Testament, brothers and sisters, we'll read the second and third verse. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 2. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. <laughs> brothers and sisters, this text references a dominant hand and a less capable, a less preferred hand. Read that one more time, brother. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. See, so it emphasizes spiritual incompetence, the inability to govern the heart and its desires. Verse 3, Yeah, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to every one that he is a fool. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, Solomon was dropping it right here, brothers and sisters. Solomon was just keeping it, they he was just keeping it real, brothers and sisters. A man with an inability to govern his heart will always give evidence of his ineptitude. <laughs> Look at it closely, brothers and sisters. Read two and three again, brother, please. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 2. A wise man's heart is at his right hand. But a fool's heart is at his left. So a wise man has control of his desires, his passions, his feelings. Yeah, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him. And he saith to everyone that he is a fool. A foolish man has a way of making themselves folly. <laughs> or making their folly evident, rather, brothers and sisters. <laughs> He's not saying to everyone with his mouth that he's a fool. What he's doing is letting everyone know he's a fool. <laughs> See, this is, I mean, Solomon was just keeping it real, brothers and sisters, all the way. A wise man or woman can control their heart, can control their passions, can control what they feel. A fool has to follow everything his heart is telling them to do. 
well, I don't feel like this and I feel like that. Brothers and sisters, that's what women do. Women tell you how they feel. Men, they don't do that. They, men tell you what they're thinking. Women tell you what they feel. A man can't be operating like this, brothers and sisters. If he is operating like this, he can't be in leadership. Because why? His behavior is dictated by how he feels today. And I'm not blaming our brethren because a lot of us was not raised with a masculine influence. So we learned, you know, especially in a black community, we learned how to handle things the way mama handled things. But guess what? You go into this book, this book, the Bible will turn a boy into a man quickly, quickly. Let's go to Isaiah 45 and 22. Sticking in the Tanakh, brothers and sisters. Isaiah, the 45th chapter, and we're going to read the 22nd verse, brothers and sisters. Isaiah 45, verse 22. Look on me, and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth. Read that one more time, brother, because the text is a very exclusionary one. Verse 22, look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. <laughs> so here it is. He highlights the singleness of devotion. Where did he say, look? Let's read it one more time. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. So he emphasizes what? He emphasizes focus. Brothers and sisters, emphasizes the focus required to obtain salvation. He said, look unto me. Don't look at anything else, brothers and sisters, because if you do, you're going to wander off. The result of continually single eye towards the most high is what? It's salvation. Brothers and sisters, look unto me and be saved. Everyone on earth, for he is the most high and there is none else. So our number one priority has to be Pleasing him. Because that is the way to salvation, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalms 145 and 15. Follow us there, brothers and sisters. Psalms 145 and 15. Verse 15 and 16. Psalms 145, verse 15. The eyes of all wait upon thee. And thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thy, thine hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Read, read 15 again, brother. Verse 15. The eyes of all wait upon thee. So the eyes of those who wait upon him. And thou givest them their meat in due season. What does that mean, brothers and sisters? He's saying he will nourish all of us. Who wait upon him in due season. Thou openest thine hand. And satisfieth the desire of every living thing. See not just you and I. But everything he created. Why? Because if you created something. Your responsibility is to provide for what you created. Brothers and sisters. You see that brothers and sisters. But the key word is due season. The eyes of all who wait upon him. He will give meat. Which is nourishment. In due season. So he's saying, wait on me. Wait on me. Wait on my direction. 
And we understand that can be hard, brothers and sisters. As a matter of fact, Paul understood that. Let us show you Galatians 6 and 9. Follow us to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Galatians 6, verse 9. Follow us to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Go all the way to Paul's writings, the epistles. I know we've spent most of our time where? In the, the book of Psalms. But now we're going to end it here at Galatians 6 and 9. Galatians 6, verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. In what? In well-doing. For in due season we shall reap. For in what? For in due season we shall reap. There's due season again. If we faint not. So what is Paul telling us? Don't be weary and well-doing. He's telling you that he knows many of us get tired of doing the right thing. But what? If you have, if you're long-suffering, when the time is right, you will receive the benefits if you do not faint. Showing you that fainting is a possibility, brothers and sisters. Let us not be tired in doing the right thing. Because at the right time, you shall reap the benefit if you don't faint. So it's hard. We understand that, brothers and sisters, to be consistent. We understand that. But those who are going to, that the Most High is going to use to lead, they don't get weary in well-doing. They continue to do it even when they don't feel like it. Why? Because we have hope for what? We have hope for reciprocation. In due season, brothers and sisters. Don't faint, brothers and sisters. Keep your eye on the most high. Don't have a wandering eye, brothers and sisters. Learn to control your desire. Learn to control what your passion is. Learn to control your feet, your direction, brothers and sisters. Let's read it one more time and close out, brother. Galatians 6, verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. If we faint not, brothers and sisters. I encourage all of our brethren, our brothers and our sisters, to not get tired of doing the right thing, brothers and sisters. The reciprocation is at the door. Don't faint. Don't tap out, brothers and sisters. Build your stamina. Build your spiritual stamina. Why? Because we understand that being tired, brothers and sisters, makes a coward out of all people. When you're tired, brothers and sisters, you fold like a lawn chair. Today's title, A Wandering Eye. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.